welcome to another Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Hey, there's going to be a proper introduction to this podcast in a minute. But before we get to that, I just want to tell you that uh, if you want to help us make these podcasts, we've got a new subscription system that you can help us with. Uh, you can still use the badges, gofasterstrike.com slash badges. That's a pound a month or whatever you want a month. Uh, but we've got this new drip page which is done by kickstarter it costs three pounds a month if you sign up earlier you're a founder member and get some extra benefits but you get all the backstage interviews uh from uh that we've ever done and all the ones to come uh from that we do five minutes back there uh, and you get uh, access to my stand-up shows released once every couple of months you get to do a Q&A session with me every now and again there's lots of little benefits and extra stuff to do there plus your money will go to making new podcasts So, if, and you can get entered into a draw to win the Lannister Notebook if you join within the first month uh, so if you want to do that go to d.rip slash Richard hyphen herring and uh, you can see what, it's, what all the fuss is about anyway Let's see what my other introduction is going to be and listen to that as well. Hello, welcome to yet another edition of Rich Haring's Let's Square Theatre podcast. My guests this week are Jeff Lloyd, kind of guy you'd expect to be on this, and Ed Miliband. What are they doing together? They're off of the Labour Party in the stone and eating a bacon sandwich. What? Uh, anyway, if you want to help support our ventures, why not buy one of our two emergency questions books at gofasterstripe.com. You can get the original emergency questions book, Beautiful Christmas gift, but an even better Christmas gift surely is Christmas emergency questions with over 275 Christmas questions and 225 just regular questions you can ask at any time of the years because emergency questions are for life, not just for Christmas. Even Christmas emergency questions isn't just for Christmas, though it might be weird if you're banding around too much after Christmas. Wait till October at least until you start get out again. Anyway, why not sit back, relax? It's recommended by Ed Miliband in this podcast. Why not sit back, relax, and enjoy? Why don't you buy a ticket to see my, me on tour, richtaring.com slash gigs, and sit back and enjoy me talking to the closest I've ever got to interviewing the Prime Minister of this country and Jeff Lloyd at the same time. <laughs> What's going on with that? It's Rich Haring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who is at this very moment transforming like a caterpillar into a show business butterfly. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> Welcome, welcome to uh, Rich James Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, though I was uh, hanging out with uh, the puppets from the Herbs uh, today, who've recently been rediscovered in a box. Come on, that's that. Many of you old enough to know what that actually is. Uh, and they call it Rahela Stubber, so I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, so, um, yeah, I've had quite a, a week. Uh, I live in a small village in Hertfordshire now. Uh, it makes it very difficult to come in to London. But I, I was walking down, I've, I've got a dog. We were, I was walking the dog late at night, and I go past this pub, and there's usually some men um, uh, smoking outside there. And there was two men dressed in, quite portly men dressed in dart uniforms. They were, play, they were playing darts in the pub. They saw me coming up and one went, fuck me, I thought you were Noel Edmonds. Uh, I, just, I know I'm quite short. I had, I've shaved my beard off because I, I went home and shaved my beard off immediately. Uh, and I do believe that uh, a small box can cure cancer. But apart from that, I think that is unfair. And I just went, oh, th thanks a lot, mate, or something like that. That was my witty comeback. Though when I was a minute down the road, I thought I should have said, fuck me, I thought it was Mr. Blobby. And that would have been... 
that would have been worked well. Uh, my dog, uh, who I mentioned there, uh, is, is a bit crazy. She's a puppy. And uh, last week I was talking about my reading glasses, and my dog uh, in the, this week ate um, my posh reading glasses and my sunglasses. In one fell swoop, it ate them both, both destroyed both pairs. Like it was about 600 pounds worth of damage done. And it seems like a war against my eyes for some reason. It's trying to stop me seeing things, but then also be able to see things in the sunshine. I don't know. I'm very excited. don't know what my dog's doing. And we went to um, uh, the fireworks display last night. Uh, my daughter, who I mentioned sometimes, uh, was she's two and three quarters. Uh, she was very excited to go. Uh, but the minute it started, she, she started crying. And we had to leave straight away, uh, which... <laughs> To be honest, I didn't. She said, too loud, too loud, my ears hurt, which is fair. It is very loud. Uh, and uh, I was quite glad because it had been really difficult parking on the way in. I thought it's going to be a bugger to get out, but we were the first out. <laughs> and I've seen fireworks before, and to be honest, they're just they're shit. So uh, it's, it was. <laughs> Thank you to my daughter there. Uh, it's good that they can tell. My, uh, my son is a month old now, and he can't talk at all. It's very difficult to understand. He'll cry, and you go, what's wrong? Just say what, say what it is. And he won't say. He's like, ah, go, yeah. I mean, it's usually, I want milk, or I've done a poo, but I, or I need to burp, but, you know, that takes some scrolling through to get there. So, uh, anyway, we're going to, uh, we're, I'm going to move on, because we've got uh, two fantastic guests to kick us off this week. You're much better than last week's audience. They were shit. Uh, so, um, uh, the, one of my guests is probably best known as the chairman of Her Majesty Treasury's Council of Economic Advisors. <laughs> pretty proud, pretty, pretty pleased about that. Uh, and my other guest is probably best known as the safe word uh, of Collins and Heron in the Collins and Heron podcast. <laughs> it's Ed, it's the unlikely pairing of Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd, ladies and gentlemen. I hope they uh, I hope they're here. Here they are. That's Jeff Lloyd. Ed Miliband. He's got uh, Poppy on. Got Poppy on. Even though it's December. Uh, welcome. Thank you. You know, Thanks. this is very exciting for me because this is the closest we've ever been to having the Prime Minister on this. <laughs> Close. Yeah, why don't you rub it in yeah, and all yeah. that? Can I, I leave now? I was talking about Jeff. Oh, right, right. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you never know, you never know, Jeff. You keep that dream going. If it, if it can work for Donald Trump, it can work for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, it's an amazing honour to have you on. I'm glad you managed to locate a uh, pin for your poppy. I did, thank you. It looks very, you didn't bother wearing a poppy? No, you, but neither did, the, neither did you. Do you hate the war veterans? Do you hate them? I, I've got my poppy at home on the shelf. <laughs> you love them that yeah, much, you I, keep it on a shelf. I do, I have yeah. respect for them. Um, so, yeah, look, why are you two here, here together? Why are we here? Why are you two friends? I'm here because you would never have me on in my own right. <laughs> right. So I've had to latch on to Ed yeah. to get onto this podcast. After years have been overlooked by my more successful contemporaries and yes. friends. That's good, that is true. Yes, so, uh, I know. I know. <laughs> I thought I might have you on one, one time on a, you know... The extra one. A sort of desperate week. Yeah. But then... Uh, <laughs> so you do a podcast together. Mm-hmm. What, we do. How did, how did that come about? So we met in 2015 when I was running to be Prime Minister and Jeff... How did, did that go, running to not, be Prime not Minister? Not so well. <laughs> uh, thanks for reminding okay, me. Uh, and um, so Jeff did an interview with me uh, and people said I sounded nearly human. Yes. And, uh, I did for Ed what uh, Jimmy Fallon did for Donald Trump. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ruffle the hair. <laughs> uh, um, 
And so then after the... Uh, well, it, uh, thanks very much. Uh, early this year, Jeff came to me and said, oh, I think there aren't enough um, people talking about interesting ideas to make people cheerful about the world. So it's called Reasons to be Cheerful, our mm-hmm. podcast, available on all good podcast apps, downloadable. Um, and uh, God, how would, the mighty have fallen! Would, would you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would, uh, I thought it was bad enough. I used to have a BBC Two show, and now I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, that's how it happened. Yeah, it's very good. Well, you because oh, you've, nice. you've, done, you've done a little bit of broadcasting more recently. You, were, you, you stood in for Jeremy Vine. Yes, I did. Which uh, must have been unusual for the, the listeners of the Jeremy Vine show <laughs> to have someone you're a little bit to the left of Jeremy Vine, I would say. Yeah, although you were sort of instructed not to bring your politics into the, right. you know, studio. And I wish that. someone would instruct him not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Ed was, you were road testing toilets on the Jeremy Vine. I was. Oh, yeah. I was Victorian toilets versus modern toilets. Okay. Uh, they, in terms of sort of how low, you know, how much might you have fallen, that was a kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, sort of, you know, I kind of yeah. debate. As, as they discussed doing this, I thought this is really kind of, <laughs> I really want to be doing this. But yeah. we, we record the podcast at my house, and, and we've been talking about this for a while. And I happen Jeff to, has a toilet. I happened to mention <laughs> that I was given one of these Japanese toilets. Okay, you these know, the ones that sort of talk to you and sing. They, they, they talk to you, but more, more pertinently, spray. they have various sprays. Oh, yeah, so they and, spray yeah, your yeah. And the second I mentioned that, Ed was, uh, can we do it at your house? Could we, could, could we record it? <laughs> I've never house? used the... Well, I haven't, I've sort of used the toilet, but not sort of the spray. <laughs> you're, um, you're working your way up to yeah, it. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's in quite a sort of enclosed space, so you don't really... You know, we record in the next room, and I think Ed okay. is worried about us overhearing his uh, activities. Say, save a bit up, get drink, have a few drinks and, you know, some baked beans for you. For you Good advice, on. good advice. Anyway, they're more hygienic, apparently. Are they? The how, 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 how does the toilet work out for you? Uh, very well. I mean, yeah. you, you could eat your dinner off uh, <laughs> uh, backside. Off, off your backside. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I may do later. Yes. Um, I quite like the idea. So they're a bidet and a toilet combined, sort of, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it, it sits on... It sits on top of your existing <laughs> yeah. toilet. Okay. There's a remote control on the wall, yeah. and you can have a preset for yourself, a preset yeah. for your wife, who, whoever you cohabit with. Yeah. You know, just to get the angle of the jet just right. <laughs> so it's a bit like in the car when the seat remembers where exactly that yes (laughs) yeah Yeah. we're Um, giving so much free advertising to this Japanese toilet company should we not get them to sponsor us well we haven't mentioned the name yet oh I see right you know we're holding out fine for the money for the Um, maybe they would give you a toilet (laughs) are you worried about the the toilet kind of becoming sentient and uh, (laughs) trying to overthrow you in the middle of that must be a worry yeah robotic toilet yes it's a very good it's a very good podcast I've listened to the first couple um, and there uh, are like seven of them. There are a lot. I've mean, yeah. got, got all day. <laughs> I had to research Greg Jenner as well. <laughs> I did half an hour on both of you, and you should be pleased, as you'll, as you'll find out. There's three of you this week. It's made it much more difficult. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I like the idea. So in the first one, you talk about that, that I think, a very interesting idea. Universal, of, uh, uni- Everyone getting a universal pay. So that's um, basically, you get rid of, welfare as we know it and you give everybody a flat amount which doesn't depend on your income and doesn't depend on whether you're being interviewed 17 times by the job centre in a week and all of that stuff and oddly enough it's an idea that was um, 
first mentioned by Thomas Paine, who was the radical pamphleteer of the, like, 17-something. Where does this idea that you're geeky come from? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, but it's been embraced at different times by left and right. So Richard Nixon piloted yeah, it in the US. Uh, it's embraced by some of the tech people, Mark Zuckerberg and so on. Uh, it's embraced on the left because it's sort of an answer to inequality, welfare and so on. So we talked about that. It's, good. Yeah. it's an interesting idea. Do you reckon you could get that through? You know, you've got a, you're in Parliament, you could get that through? Well, look, I think the good thing about the podcast is, and, you know, this is a sort of change from me in, before 2015, is you don't have to be thinking, here are the sort of 17 reasons why this might not work politically. You yeah. can think, is this a good idea? Should we be talking about it? Yeah. We did drug uh, decriminalisation last week. You know, so we can do subjects that are, you know, off the, off the map politically. Sure. Well, that's kind of interesting. I think, you know, we'll, we're probably uh, going to come to that later, but it, especially when you're the leader of a party, yeah. and you, you have to be very careful about everything you're yeah. saying, and you know everything's a photo opportunity, and every moment can be, you're telling me backstage about yeah. something that could be taken out of context. Yeah, so Ed, Ed was on Nick Robinson's podcast. Uh, Nick Robinson says to Ed, what was, what was that uh, catchphrase that Arnold Schwarzenegger had in The Terminator? To which you reply, perfectly innocently, I'll be back. And then the headline the next day is, Ed Miliband says, I'll be back to frontline <laughs> politics. <laughs> Jeff wrote me up and said, that seems really unfair. Yeah. I said, no, no, that's the way it is, really. Um, look, you feel if you're leader of the opposition that you are operating in a political war zone, particularly if you're leader of the Labour Party. And in a way... You know, one of the most annoying things people say to me on Twitter when I do half funny tweets is, oh, why weren't you like that before 2015? <laughs> so if you're one of those people, don't do it again. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, uh, I got the message. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I've obviously thought a lot about that since people say that a lot. Um, and, you know, no doubt, you know, I, I take some responsibility for not, you know, you know, being as free as you can be doing that job. Um, but the context is all. Yeah. And you have to, you know, you know that if you say one word out of place, the Daily Mail's going to run a front page story and it'll run for three days and, you know, yeah. all of that. And but so then, now, now it shouldn't make you overly cautious, but no. it probably did. But I mean, but A, the people who read the Daily Mail aren't, are not going to vote for you anyway, are they? Mm, I'm not sure that's true of everybody. <laughs> and, they def and look, you know, in a way this comes up because I'm, one of the things I'm doing as a backbencher is campaigning against Rupert Murdoch's attempt to take over um, Sky News. So he earns 39%, he wants to earn 100%. And, you know, one of the things we're trying to convince the authorities of is the people who are making this decision is it matters what's on the Sun front page. It matters what's on the Mail front page because it informs the BBC, ITV, lots of the other things, that lots of the other news that is made. So, you know, I wish it was completely irrelevant, but I don't think it is completely irrelevant. No, but then Donald Trump's come along and just said everything that pops into his head and... People seem to like... And is the reason... Correct, like correct, but with a big right-wing journalistic ecosystem okay. behind him. I mean, yeah. It's really important, this. Fox News created Donald Trump. You know, Fox News... Uh, I mean, shamefully... I mean, it's an extraordinary thing, sorry to be serious for a second, but... Uh, uh, so people know Robert Mueller is filing charges against um, some of Donald Trump's acolytes. He's a special prosecutor that's been brought in um, about this whole Russia collusion connection and all that. And what's so interesting about Murdoch and his influence and this right-wing ecosystem is, okay, Fox News is saying this is all terrible and the guy should be sacked, Robert Mueller. Uh, the New York Post, owned by Murdoch, Murdoch, is saying it, right? But the Wall Street Journal, which was up to now considered a respectable paper or semi-respectable paper, is also saying it. Yeah. And that is the right-wing ecosystem. Now, we don't have it in the same way here, but we have it in a different way, I would say. Yeah. But maybe people are 
getting... I mean, I think part of the issue is people are getting wise to journalists lying and so that you're able to say it's fake news and they're getting wise to politicians yeah. lying. So then they just think everything's a lie. So, you know, it's, yeah. all, it's almost been built... And look, year I think to year. give Jeremy Corbyn credit, I think he, what he did better in 2017, certainly than I did, was to find other ways round them. Yeah. You know, finding other ways to communicate with people. Than a, big, so sh- than a big stone. Than a big stone. Uh, I was wondering when you were going to bring it up. For, for Christmas, we're having it broken up and we're going to give away pieces of it on the podcast. Definitely. Auction. Like pieces of the Berlin auction. Wall. An auction. Yeah. An auction. Do you still... Do you know where it do is? Do I still have the stone? Do you know stone? where it is? No, I don't know. You should find broken it. Broken up for... Yeah. for like know. Jimmy Savile's grave. It's been broken up. <laughs> I've, I've promised Ed that I will deflect <laughs> exactly. any unsavoury comments. Leap so. in front of me. Just yeah, saying, that's just a fact. If, you could, if you're going to tweet about this, mention <laughs> that Ed in. had a very neutral expression exactly. during exactly. anything unsavoury. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I would definitely uh, keep it if I, if I had it. I'd, this is I'd, the Ed Stone. I'll try and find it. I'll try and find it for you. I'll try and find it for you. Well, it'd be nice. You could have it like as a kitchen, a top of your accessory. kitchen. <laughs> kitchen cabinet, you know, like, wouldn't it? But that'd be a nice slate to have on the top. Because it did, did it cost £30,000? No, I didn't. That's what it says. Less. Jeez, Richard, you've gone so middle class since you moved to the countryside. <laughs> oh, it'd be, a, it'd be a lovely work it surface in my kitchen. It <laughs> and it's 30 grand. Yeah. Probably get it now for about a thousand. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so you were in uh, Absolute Radio for a long time, and then you stopped working for Absolute Radio. What, mm-hmm. happened, what happened there? That was the, the big news. That we it was fa- um, uh, just to be like Ed and to be serious for a second. Yeah. It was uh, affecting my mental health. Unfirstly, <laughs> now I was I was I was really miserable, and also I fancied trying a few different things. Sure. One of which was podcasting. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I do this other podcast with Annabelle that I used to do, The Absolute Show, which is about uh, being a socially inept human being. And it's, it's a show for other socially inept human beings. Yes. And then I do this podcast with Ed, who, as you can see, is in no way socially inept. <laughs> he's, he's very apt. Yeah. It's, uh, you did have, you had proper big, I mean, you had Ed on on that show which mm-hmm. you had proper big names not like me getting Jeff Lloyd uh, I you had Paul McCartney yeah yeah did you, did you try and get Paul McCartney on the podcast first before Ed Miliband he <laughs> tried a lot first. of people before me believe <laughs> Believe you me. Fun of me because last Thursday, we recorded on a Thursday, and I was invited to a Meat Free Monday party by the McCartney family. And Ed said, Ed said when, when exactly were you invited? And I worked it out, and it was less than 48 hours beforehand. Right. Which makes me think that maybe I wasn't very high up the <laughs> guest list. I mean, it's slightly longer than the notice you gave me, but not very, very much. <laughs> I was, you know, I, was, I left it late this week, but you know, it's it's worked out well. Yeah, it has worked out very well. Who, who said no before you asked us? Um, I I didn't ask that many people. I was I was hanging on because uh, Charlie Brooker said he would want to do one, right. so I was keeping like dates open, <laughs> and then he he never got out to me. Russell Brand was a possible for this week. Mm, he was on a pencil. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> would be nice, wouldn't it? The, the disappointment. I would have I would have liked that. Do you wish? Do you wish you'd done this podcast rather than his podcast just before the election? It wasn't his podcast, actually. What was it? It was his... It was his well, whatever it well, was. Well, it sort of is a podcast. Yeah. You know. No, I think it was worse for him than it was for me, actually. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, he sort of never... Didn't, he didn't sort of took some time to recover from it, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Well, he was going through a phase where he thought there was going to be revolution imminently, I think, which, you know, I, he's sort of almost 
been proven right. <laughs> hundred years since the Russian Revolution. I think it might be coming, but uh, the, t the time is, yeah. is yeah, slowly. Well, you know, we're, we're today as we're speaking, which is a, in the past for you at home, but all the, the offshore accounts coming through and finding out that, I mean, finding out that Mrs. Brown's boys, the minor people in the, I mean, fuck. How do, how do you feel when you see your comedy contemporaries listed in those things? Yeah. Um, envious, deeply envious? Well, I'm, su I'm surprised that they, um, I'm surprised they don't, uh, I'm surprised that, that someone like Jimmy Carr, I'm surprised that he, well, maybe not so much with him, but. <laughs> I'm surprised that they're not paying their tax, you know, they, that's, that's quite, uh, most comedians are quite left-wing, as we, I'm constantly told. I think I sort of, I mean, somewhere in the middle, really, but, um, but, you know, you, that, that's quite unusual. I think they would want to, mm. want to pay their taxes. Lewis Hamilton didn't pay his VAT on his private jet, but he surely owns enough to get his VAT back on stuff. <laughs> he must be in the VAT bracket by now. That... So you're suggesting he's registered so <laughs> yeah. he would be able to claim the yeah. VAT on a free... Yeah, yeah. He must have, he must have had... must be something more than that. Uh, but, no, no, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't do this for money. <laughs> As, you know, Mrs. Brown's boys got the, uh, a thousand DVDs of their own in their garage, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. But anyway, you, that, you must be in that bracket with the emergency questions book I am, by yeah. now, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I sell, Christmas one coming out as well. Christmas apparently. one, that's yeah. right. I said you could have a free one if you mentioned it. Thanks so much. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have a sticker on the front as recommended. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> But uh, do you think, what do you think, what do, you th do you think there was a, because uh, uh, you, you actually, it was like many of the things that in the last two or three years, yeah. we all went to bed uh, thinking one thing was going to happen and then we woke up and a, a different thing had happened. And nearly every vote over the last five or six years has been a sort of thing. I didn't go to bed actually. I, mean, not, I don't suppose you did, Carl. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. uh, I'm pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I've just put on my Prime Minister badge. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can possibly go wrong. <laughs> and when I wake up, I'll nuke the world. Um, had, you, had you spoken to a removal firm? I had not. No, no, I hadn't. No, I was quite... Uh, didn't want to tempt fate. Like, you should have tempted fate. You should have tempted it. Yeah. Um, what, what, what's the question? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think? Because it looked like it was, it like was going to happen. Do you think there was one thing that was... No, there's not one thing. I, I really don't think there's one thing. It's a sort of... Look, I, Hillary Benn said to me that uh, after the election, he said that his mum always used to say that there were two types of elections. There were time for a change elections and there were steady as she goes elections. And that this election had been sort of tipping between... 2015 had been tipping between the two. Yeah. And just at the end, it, well, in the last period, it tipped towards more people wanting steady as she goes for a whole host of reasons. Yeah. And, and I think 2017 was different. And partly it was different because Jeremy found a way through that I didn't, and it was partly different because the context had changed, two more years of austerity, Brexit, all of that had galvanised people, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, but Cameron said if, you know, vote for Miliband uh, and... Chaos. Uh, chaos of the country. Yeah. Competent, what was it? Do you it think he, it could have been more chaotic? The ultra, what, <laughs> I can't now remember the tweet, sort of uh, um, five years of chaos with Ed Miliband or... Or competence. Or stability and competence. With the Conservatives. <laughs> and then the end of civilization. It, it, has, it hasn't worked out well, really, has it? But you're, pro, you're now, I mean, you're Remain, but now you're the, the, on your website, I saw you saying we have to go through with Brexit. Well, I think people voted for it. 
And, you know, I... But I, did they, though? I mean, they voted for... They voted. They did a yes-no question, but it didn't say what that would involve. <laughs> it didn't say what that would mean. And so... And but also, it goes to your point about revolution, actually, funnily enough, which is, look, my constituency was 72% leave, Doncaster North, top five or six in the country... And people didn't just vote because of immigration, Europe, the things people know about. They voted because they wanted change. And I'm afraid the terrible thing that Cameron did was that he turned what was an issue that probably 15 or 20% of the population cared about, Europe, into one that 75 or 80% of the country now feel attached to one side or the other. I mean, he, the idea that, ref, you know, remember this referendum? It was a referendum. It was supposed to heal the divisions in the country. I mean, the idea, you know... That didn't work out. No. Uh, and, I don't, I and, that. and the trouble is that the people who say, oh, it's easy, you should just reverse it because people were lied to about the NHS and all of that stuff. Yes, they were. But there is something deeper at the, at the root of this. And it was basically people saying, politics hasn't taken any notice of us. Politics hasn't listened to us. And if the response of politics to that is, the first response is, well, now we're going to ignore you. That is not a good Thing. Look, my, my, uh, my son said to me, actually, who's, who admittedly is six, about to be seven, he said to me, I said to him, there's people calling for a second referendum, and he said, well, what happens if it goes the other way? Is it going to be best of three? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and actually, I thought it was quite a good point. Uh, you know, the, 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 it, it's not straightforward, this. I know people think it's straightforward to, if you're a Remainer. And the thing I say to people who are Remainers or Leavers is go out and meet some people who are for the other side. Mm -hmm. because, because I think that's part of the problem is that we're div too divided as a country. Um, yeah, well, but we are. But we, we, as you say, we've been divided by something that probably most people didn't massively care about either way, and it's been created. But, I, you know, I just sort of think, it, does democracy work to the extent that if you know something is going to, or something seems like yeah, it's going to damage the country I know, I know. And, and all the people who voted for it, and that most of the people who voted for it aren't going to get what they wanted, because some know. of them thought they were voting for... <laughs> for Muslims to leave. You know, people were saying, well, the Muslims will be leaving tomorrow. That's not, that's not what we voted on. But, uh, but honestly, Richard, most people in my constituency were not voting because they thought the Muslims were leaving tomorrow. I really want to say this to you. They were voting for deep reasons that we have a country that is not serving them, that is too unequal, the way their wages are stuck, where they're worried about their kids. People who are Remainers would recognise this. And, and, you know, it is really important. It's a bit like the Trump thing. You know, you know, I think Trump's awful as a, an absolute moron, as I said in one of my <laughs> tweets about him. But, 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 you know, you've got, to, you've got to go to the deep reasons for it. Yeah. Because if you just say, oh, well, people are just racists or people were just lied to, it isn't in, it's just inadequate as, a, as, a, as an understanding of it. I and agree. the first step to solving the, the, the division is to understand where people are coming from. Sure. But it, had it gone the other way, would, would you have just gone, oh, we won, bad luck? And you shut totally. up. Totally. You we. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, you'd have, you wouldn't. If look, come on. If it'd been fifty-two forty-eight, and we'd been sitting on this uh, stage, you wouldn't have been saying, "Come on, Ed. Nigel Farage has really got a point. We've got to rerun this referendum." <laughs> Which well, you? I actually, I, you know, I think there's a, a massive problem at the heart of the, the democracy we have in our country. And in fact, before I think that's what we call well, a politician's answer to my well, question. Well, no. When before, when when the the, the general election that um, the general election that the general election. That you, <laughs> 
the general election that the, the UK got 25% of the vote and no seats. The thing you say is, that I'm is... really glad you asked that question, Ed. <laughs> and then you say something completely irrelevant to my question. That's, no, the, would, that's the technique. I, I do not, I do, I'm not a fan of Nigel Farage, but I don't think it's fair that, that UKIP, uh, unrepresented in You're not answering my question. When there's, well, this is, that's, just the, that's just the start. Mr I'm Herring, I'm going to ask going you the question it. again. <laughs> <laughs> If it had been 52-48 the other way, what yeah. would you be saying? I think it would have been insane to say, bad luck, fuck off. I think you'd have to go, look, there's f- nearly half the people... But you wouldn't be saying, rerun different. the referendum? I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be going, bad luck, we won, shut up. Would you be saying, rerun the referendum? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say we, because, you know... <laughs> there's a lot of Remainers I don't like. Uh, but... Uh, um, I, I don't think I, don't, I think you'd have to take into account uh, the, what I don't like is people going 17 million people voted for to, to leave and you've got to go yeah but 16 million voted to stay and so you're just no, ignoring I think the way that they've them. handled it is absolutely terrible yeah. because you know Theresa May has said at various points oh you know we need to speak for the 100% but she's shown no inclination to speak for the 100% no, exactly. she's only shown an inclination to speak for the 52% um, and, and I think that is terrible so I think you've got to but you know the other thing is and this is where the thing my son said is right We've got to live together as a country after this. Sure. Whichever, whatever the final resolution of it. And I think that's sort of what people don't, don't um, uh, kind of underestimate. M- mind you, look, I, I do, I'm deeply worried about some of the implications of this. Yeah. I really am. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just going to sit back and wait for it all to go wrong and then go... <laughs> Shall we go back, guys? <laughs> We're going to have to take the euro now. We really fucked up. Uh, <laughs> it's, but it's, I think it is. I sort of feel that the, the, the parliament just feel, and I think this is why young people are getting more into voting, which is a good thing. Um, it just feels so archaic and ridiculous, and it, you know, you, yep. you have those debates, yep. and people are filibusting, and so sixteen-year-olds yep. can't vote, yep. and, and oh, everyone's still all the, yep. the, it's like the, the private school debating society, yep. and it just sort of feels like we should, you know, sell off. Uh, the Houses of Parliament. To, Good idea. For a ho- put a hotel in there, make some money off it, and and build a Parliament. Sell with your book. Else. Sell your Christmas book. <laughs> so, uh. and, but you know, we, it doesn't feel like a modern Parliament. No, it, it feels doesn't. like a sort of uh, you know, it's an archaic system and an archaic. Uh, institution. Yeah, I think it's incredibly off-putting, and the most off-putting thing of all is Prime Minister's question. We had um, Ed, uh, we had, do you know Aisha Hazarika, do, comedian yeah. who used to work for Ed, we had her on the podcast talking about coaching Ed for Prime Minister's Question Time, and it, 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 it was painful to, to listen, yeah. Yeah, painful for her that she would have to sort of coach you out of the yeah. toilet afterwards, you'd yeah, exactly. be in the fetal position. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And you say that's, um, that's, that's the best the, thing about The most being... blissful thing about not being the leader of the opposition is not having to do Prime Minister's questions. Sure. Oh. <laughs> I wake up every Wednesday and think, yes, I don't have to do Prime Minister's questions. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, there's, there's something awful about Prime Minister's questions, which is I don't think it benefits anybody. No. I mean, I don't think it benefits the Prime Minister. I don't think it benefits the leader of the opposition. I don't think it benefits Parliament. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just as... Look, it's good. The only good thing you can say about it is if Donald Trump had to do Prime Minister's questions, I mean he'd have to resign because he's so, I mean, presumably, because he's completely useless and couldn't answer any questions. Um, or maybe, maybe he wouldn't care. But um, so, so at least the Prime Minister's held to account. Yeah. That, that's the best you can say but about it's, it. But it's not about giving a good answer. It's about who's got the best zinger. I know, I know, I know. And the stand of comedy in the House of Commons is poor. <laughs> it's a low bar. I have to say. It's definitely a low and bar. And Theresa May is the worst one at doing that. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, well, you know, do you think we could, uh, if I would say build uh, houses apart in, in the Midlands or like the middle yeah. of the country. Well, the Parliament's going to have to move out. I don't think you should, I think we should, could move to Birmingham or yeah. somewhere else just to give a different focus yeah. to, to the whole sort of West, you know, the whole parliamentary thing. Yeah. Have some flats that people can live in if they want to, attached to the parliament, and they don't get any uh, second homes. Like dorms? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe. You're nice. Maybe. <laughs> right, well, I'll ask... You know, the other, one other thing I'll say about yeah. this, right, because you say it's all, you know, terrible, and uh, parliament's a sort of nightmare, and that, all that's true. Um, uh, <laughs> I, Only there was something the people who work there could do about it. I do, I do, I do say this, that individually, Parliament is much better than collectively, in the sense of the people who go into it from different sides, I'm not just talking about Labour people, tend to go into it for the right reasons. I mean, I know that sounds like some fashionable thing to say, but I genuinely do believe that. You know, I, I, the Tories who I vehemently disagree with, and I hate what they've done to the country and all of that, but actually you know, they're motivated by what they believe. Mm -hmm. And that is an important thing to remember. Yeah. But amidst then it, all this. It's just sort of that. And I think there are loads of fantastic... I agree. I think there are loads of fantastic politicians and people who are trying to affect the difference in the world. But then if, it, if you can't make that difference, we're bogged down with <laughs> doing something self-destructive anyway. But if you, can't, if you can't make those decisions and if there's ways of... You know, if there's ways of filibusting and, and, and yeah, I agree, ruining I agree. stuff like that, it's just it's just insane. It's yeah, people may not know about that. Did people know about this votes at 16 thing? So we were supposed to be talking about votes at 16 on Friday, and basically, I think the basically what the Tories did. This is a this is not a bill by the government. It's a bill by an individual backbencher, and basically the the way the Tories organised it, they just basically stopped it being voted on, even though there might have been a majority to keep it going and you know get it through and all that. I feel awful. I feel like I misrepresented this podcast to Eddie. He says, they're not going to ask about Brexit and stuff. Said, no, it's going to be all about whether you've sucked your own cock so, or well, not. <laughs> well, and I feel this is a terrible misrepresentation. To be fair, it just... I was going to say, it just, it, it, we got like something very important. It'd be awful to waste this by asking those sort of stupid questions. So yes. I want to ask proper. Yeah. So Ed Miliband. <laughs> if, I wouldn't ask about that. To, to, you know, you could have been prime minister. It's disgraceful. But um, have some respect. <laughs> if you were in a human centipede, <laughs> you had to be. You no, know, wait. With two other politicians, it's still a political question. But you can choose who the other, do you know what a human centipede is, Ed? I'm going to try and deflect this with a pun. <laughs> Surely it would be a millipede if Ed was involved. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Very we good. need a 999 politician. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work like that, does it? Yeah. I won't ask you that. I'll ask you an emergency question. I'll, I'll pick one at random. Well, I'll ask, you, I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this. is a very old school one that, that does link a little oh. bit. Yeah, that you can have that. Thank you so much. I might get um, you to sign it. Right, go on. Uh, if you had to choose between having a hand made out of, out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream, which of those things would you choose? God, neither. I don't, I don't know. You have to choose. <laughs> this is, a kind of, this uh, is why you could I'm never be Prime age. Minister. Listen, listen. Mate. I asked Theresa May, she was given straight your, in. Given, given your answers on the Brexit referendum, <laughs> I'm taking no lectures from you about not answering the question. Uh, um, Jeff, what's your answer? 
Oh, I, I would like a hand made out of ham yeah. because I'm a vegetarian, yeah. so I don't get to enjoy ham, but Good. I can nibble on my own hand. Exactly. Well, I'm glad as a vegetarian you've made that distinction because <laughs> some vegetarians won't eat the hand made of ham, even though it's not made out of ham. What's wrong with these people? Yeah, they're idiots. Would you rather be lactose intolerant or the Prime Minister of the Central African Republic? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that hard? It'd be, it'd, why is that hard? It'd be something, eh, Ed? It'd be something. Why is it that? would still be Prime Minister of somewhere. Sorry, why is that hard? <laughs> I'd rather be Prime Minister of the Central African Republic, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Why is that an emergency question? <laughs> Some of them are easy, Ed. Some uh, of them are to make people feel, feel good about themselves. I can ask you a random one on the Emergency Questions app, available on Android and iOS. <laughs> Got to make a living here somehow. Um, is, is there good money in podcast apps? The, the, um, uh, I think we might have broken even, <laughs> which in podcast it? terms is like being is like being a Mrs. Brown's boys. <laughs> <laughs> We're investing the fifty-five p we've made. Oh, this is quite a good one, actually. Okay, what, thank you. what, what two hundred and sixty-six for those of you who, who know home. well? What age do you think you have to be to be old? Oh, oh, yeah. That is quite tricky. I think, I think it changes depending on where Madonna is up to in her life. <laughs> <laughs> you're younger than me, Ed, which I, confuses me because you're a politician, so I'm you must be older than me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm representing youth here on this yeah, stage. You, yeah. <laughs> you don't really look younger than me, though, so do you? It is, it's hard to believe. You look a bit like... Um, I'm not using Grecian 2000. Oh. Well, you look a bit like... Uh, Jeff, it's, if you're a little bit fatter, especially, you look like you're sort of halfway through the Santa Claus. That's, that's what that's what <laughs> You're like Tim Allen on the way. Thank you. <laughs> well, actually, I'll talk to you about that because you, your look has changed a lot. I saw some photos of you when you were uh, young, uh, starting out in the radio, and you, have, you look a lot different now than you did, and not just because you're older. Can you, you a, can you describe what you saw and I can maybe uh, I, uh, speak to I that? I mean, you were quite, uh, you were a little chunkier mm -hmm. and you were a bit more sort of Timmy Mallet-esque. <laughs> a bit more like Timmy Mallet. I had bleach blonde hair. Yeah, that's was it, a, yeah. That was, a, that was a terrible decision. I've never had bleach blonde hair. No. Give it a go. I think, you think? You should put a little think it David, might work. Put a little David Pumpkins in the middle. That's what I'd do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just think any time you see a photograph of you from more than 18 months ago, it's yeah. just humiliating. But you've changed a lot. I mean, I, 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 mean, I think I have as well, but you've changed. You did, like, it's, you're quite a serious... Look, just you, just, just think it as a David Bowie-like figure yeah. with all these incarnations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but you've been, you've been broadcasting for a long time. Mm -hmm. And now I'm narrowcasting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I just feel constantly uncomfortable in my own skin. I'm definitely the most uncomfortable person on this stage or perhaps in this room. So it's no, no surprise to me that you would have seen a photograph of me in which I look terrible because I just think any given photograph right, of me, look, I'm going to look, look terrible. Look you look really, you know, you've matured well, I think. Do you think so? I think so, yeah. Thank you. You just said that I look halfway through Santa Claus. I know, Claus. I've been seeing... <laughs> what, what he's trying to rescue himself, yeah. I think. What's, what's better than being Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> At least you're halfway through. I didn't say. I mean, I'm, if you combine the two of us, we're, <laughs> we've probably got the lot. Um, no, when you're, you're big pals with lots of comedians, and you've worked with lots of comedians behind the scenes as well, haven't you? Um, a little bit. So I, I started out in radio in um, South Manchester, 
at the same time as Craig Cash and Carolina Hearn and John Ronson and all these people. And we, we all got fired off this radio station at a very similar time when it was taken over. Um, so Craig and Caroline gave me a, a job out of pity. <laughs> I had a job on the Mrs. Merton show, but it was after it had already gone in production, so there were no real jobs for me. So basically, I, my, my job was running across to the spa and getting Asti Spumanti and Benson and Hedges for Caroline. That was, that was my actual job. And making sure she was just drunk enough. <laughs> It was a pretty amazing show, that, though. And then, and then you worked with Dave Gorman and Chris Addison. You worked with... Well, Dave, Dave was a writer on the Mrs. Merton yeah. show. And then Chris Addison... We used to go... It's still there. There's a, a club in Manchester called the Frog and Bucket, which is a comedy club. And you will have played there. I, I will. I played there very recently on the... Me too, actually. The, yeah. 12th, of, the 12th of November I played recently for the people at home. <laughs> it went amazingly well, I have to say. <laughs> And we, we all used to hang out there, so we saw Chris Addison do his first ever open mic oh, wow. there. And it, it used to be a tiny little venue just around the corner, and then they moved to the big sort of smelly saloon. That, Even though it's been open at this point 20 years, it still <laughs> smells of vomit. And on the opening night, I, um, I, t I turned up, and my ex-girlfriend was there with her new boyfriend, who came over and thought I was looking at him strangely. This is the only time I've ever been in anything approaching a fight. He just punched me in the face because he thought I was looking at him funny. Yeah. So my instinct, of course, was to just sort of run backwards. And Chris Addison, friend that he was in a Manchester comic called Smug Roberts, they grabbed hold of my arms and pretended that they were holding me back. <laughs> and in actual fact, they were holding me forward. Holding back. So the bloke could just punch yeah, you, punch yeah, you yeah. repeatedly again and again in the face. Uh, you have been on Win, Lose or Draw. I have, yeah. How did that go for you? I've um, done that one. I, I, I get, so I, I'm um, a big Beatles fan. Yeah. And one of the categories... It was, everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Oh, yes. And I guessed it before they drew anything. I just guessed it from the... <laughs> Number of words. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is quite That's good, that's quite a good... That makes yeah. a short show, though. They're probably annoyed with you. <laughs> You've got to let them draw something. I was on that show. I'll tell you who else was on that show that night was Mark Owen uh, of Take That. Oh, yeah. And I just thought... I felt very sorry for him that his career was going so badly that he would be on the same TV show as I was on. <laughs> Which is a bit how I feel about Ed and yourself, <laughs> to a lesser extent. No, maybe. Would you ever go on... Because uh, I know what it's like to nearly win no. stuff. I've been on Celebrity Pointers three times and never won it. So I know, I know what you went through with the election. <laughs> it's like, dude, I still wake up at night thinking... Celebrity bake-off. Jungle. No. I, actually, I never got offered the jungle. I got offered the after show of the jungle. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, no, no. no. Well, it's done. Ed Balls did well out of whatever he did. Was he on Strictly Come Dancing? Yeah, he did, but I, he carried it off. I, I, you know, it, it would make the bacon sandwich look positively elegant if I was on, <laughs> if I was on uh, Strictly, I think. Uh, the bacon sandwich is... A, is oh, well, is I'm glad I brought it up. It's pretty... Uh, no, again, I'm, on your, I'm on your side on this. I think, like, anyone eating something, if someone's yeah. taking a thousand photos of you eating, you're yeah. going to get one where you're... where you don't, you know, you've got stuff falling out of your face and you look... Yeah, well, I shouldn't have sort of... You shouldn't have eaten a bacon sandwich. But should you, have, you should just go inside when you you're eating a bacon You should have sandwich. been an advisor. That's yeah. really... <laughs> I'd have gone, Ed, I mean, don't eat it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty sharp of you to, to work well, that yeah. out. I'd have said, Ed, throw it on the floor and stamp on it. Jump up <laughs> down furiously on it. Yeah. Throw it into the crowd. Unwise. Did you have any idea at the time there was anything happening, or as far as you were concerned, no. you were just enjoying a bacon sandwich? I was just sandwich. enjoying a bacon sandwich, unfortunately. Had you ever eaten a bacon sandwich before? <laughs> Believe it or not, I had, yeah, actually. Okay. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> What else have you got, Richard? Uh, 
it's main, that's mainly at the Millstone and back at the bacon sandwich. That's the only bad. But you've not mentioned his the... two kitchens. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> that's the other one of the Holy Trinity. <laughs> He's got enough for two work surfaces in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what the headstone will be for. Oh, I, one of your fans has. Uh, well, you've got lots of young women who are, you, who are big fans of yours. And one of your fans, I heard on your podcast, has a tattoo of your face on their thigh. They Is that did? right? Yeah, it was after the election, yeah. Right. I sort of... I, it was a photo opportunity too far. I yeah. didn't sort of... <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, you know... Yeah. There's no accounting for taste. Have you, have you, seen, have you seen it or have you just I heard haven't, tell? I haven't, no. I haven't. Yeah. It's, a, it's an odd thing. It's very, it is rather it's odd, permanent, actually. tattoo. I hope it isn't permanent for the sake... For her sake, you know what I mean? Well, it is. It's your fate. It's you, you eating know a bacon sandwich as well. You know, <laughs> you know it's permanent, do you? Well, tattoos are pretty permanent. I mean, you can get rid of them, but there's always like a little shadow <laughs> left behind. If you have to turn it into something else, it's like, you know, sometimes when neo-Nazis have a swastika, they turn it into something else when they get better. <laughs> get better. So what do you think Ed's face would lend itself to be turned into then? It could be... Um, I'm trying to work that out, really. Yeah. Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you for... Ah, oh, that's a compliment, actually. It is. Does that make Jeff Gromit? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're more of a Gromit, actually. Yeah, you come to think I mean, I'm not, I can't talk about anything. I, I did... I, someone tattooed my name on their back. Really? When, I, when I was in the 1990s. Did, hang on, did they just tattoo Richard? No, Richard. <laughs> they tattooed my name, Richard Herring, on the back. And I saw her in, um, like, about 15 or 20 years later in Paddington Station with her husband and child. And they looked at me in a weird way. <laughs> just looked at me, all of them looked at me, and I just went, hi. Was it just your went, name Sorry. Like in, in yeah. Times New Roman? Or yeah. somebody, somebody you knew? or just... No, just someone who liked what we were doing. It was before we were on telly, I think, even. Wow. That is a rash I mean, it's decision. A bit, it's a bit too far. Isn't rash it? decision, it's yeah, definitely. definitely. It wasn't my face on her thigh. No. no. <laughs> you put someone else on the other thigh. Ed Balls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make you kiss <laughs> under the mistletoe. <laughs> Moving on, Richard. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> um, good one, I thought. Yeah. And, uh, Next page, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask, I'll ask uh, uh, Jeff something. Oh, you're the second person we've had on who uh, presented Thronecast. In fact, you're the third person we've had on who presented Thronecast. Really? Who? We had Rachel Paris on. Uh-huh. Uh, we, I haven't yet had... The guy, Jamie East, who replaced you, I oh, felt yeah, was yeah. quite insulting to you. Because it was just like you. They Not replaced better looking, you. Better at the job. Slightly better looking. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we did have Sue Perkins on. Right. Who I, do, I think I feel you and Rachel Paris should be the presenters of Thronecast. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> you were in the first three series before it really kind of uh, well, they, they was, spent was, any money on it. Well, it was just on the internet, and then yeah. they put it on telly, but didn't spend any extra money on it. And so, somebody tweeted, and this is the the wrap up show that came after Game of Thrones. They said. Uh, trust Sky Atlantic to follow the most expensive programme ever made for television <laughs> with the cheapest programme ever made for television. Did you have to learn all the names of the characters? It was, wasn't so hard back in the first series. No, no, I've, uh, you know, I don't envy them now. Do you know, do you know who they all are now? Because I, I only know the, um, the, the... I can't even think of his name. <laughs> Ian, Ian, John Gray, Ian, Ian Graythorn. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do. I do pride myself on the ability of remembering. That. I yeah. can't remember people's names in real life. No. And as as you saw before, if I'm introduced to a new person, I always will pretend that I say, "Oh, I think we've met already," because it puts the awkwardness on them. <laughs> just just in case we have already met. Yeah. But the the one thing I'm good at remembering is the names of the characters on Game of Thrones, unless you have a test in that book. No, I don't. I used okay. to. I used to have a Lannister um, notebook, but now it's uh, Tiny Rick. Tiny Rick. Yeah. Didn't get the reaction you were hoping for. No, it did. It's, uh... Oh, I'll ask you this question. If you had to have... You like the Muppets, right? I do, yeah. If I went you... to... You know my story about that. No, go on. Tell me the story and then I'll ask you the question. This is a boring story. I wish I hadn't said you know okay. my story about that. Um, my, my wife went to Edinburgh to have a mooch around the comedy festival, so I was left uh, at home with the baby and I couldn't go out in the evenings because it's frowned upon leaving uh, an 18-month-old baby unattended. So I would fall down these Google holes and I saw that the Muppets were playing a live show. And, and as a fan of the Muppets, I think, when does that happen? Like, I've never heard. It's with an orchestra and it's going to be the full Muppet Show cast. So I impulse bought a ticket to see them at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> and then had to explain to my wife, OK, well, you, you got to go to Edinburgh for a few days. So I think it's only fair that I get to go to Los Angeles and, and see the Muppets wow. live. Yeah. So you went to the Hollywood Bowl? I did go to the Hollywood Bowl, yeah. Were they, was it worth it? Is, is anything ever really worth it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, some things are, but I'm not sure going to yeah. the Hollywood Bowl to see some bits of cloth being yeah. moved around. <laughs> I think because I spent that money, I tell myself it was worth it because it would be too painful to admit otherwise. I, I went to the Furchester Hotel in Salford, which is in a story in my show, but um, that was felt like a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> to go and see some uh, Muppets. And you, you met Mr. Tumble as well. I did meet, <laughs> I did meet Mr. Tumble. You're using your show business correct, uh, connections. <laughs> I did. Well, I had to wait in a corridor for Mr. Tumble. I really wanted to meet Rebecca from Let's Play. Right, yes. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. And uh... <laughs> I think, you know, they do the birthdays on CV. Yeah. I think if you send in your birthday card and it isn't read out by Rebecca, yeah. I think that's the equivalent of going to Buckingham Palace to get your OBE on the day when the Queen isn't there and you have to get it from <laughs> Prince Andrew or something. It's true. I think she's a bit scared of me now, Rebecca, from Let's Play. Oh, how did that well, all I, Well, because I do, do a big routine about her and the Third Chester Hotel in my show, and then... Mm. Um, you know, the word gets round. It got, it got back to the CBBS that I was, you know. And yet you were still allowed. Well, no, this is after. This uh, right. uh, is after. Uh, I did write about, it and, and she she tweeted me on my forty uh, ninth birthday to say happy birthday to me. But that was before she realised uh, I was sort of a threat. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen the one where she dresses in the tennis outfit. Look it up now. It's, 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 it's good. I'm 50 years old. It's all, it's all I've got in my life. <laughs> if you had to have sex with one of the Muppets, which Muppet would you Oh, Janice from the band. Yeah, I like yeah, her, yeah. Yeah, 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 very much so. Same, same question, Ned. <laughs> if you had to. If, if you were the Prime Minister... And, I'd be the Prime Minister of the Central and, African Republic. And, uh, yeah, actually. and Vladimir Putin was saying, we're going to bomb you with a nuclear bomb unless you have sex with one of the Muppets and everyone in the country will be dead which Muppet would you and you can have sex with any of them he's not unreasonable that P peace, peace talks I go for peace talks <laughs> oh fuck off Beaker <laughs> the joke wasn't funny the second time actually <laughs> I was trying to help you out I there know, so I know okay, okay avoid okay. answering a question yeah, okay okay and uh, the other, well, how was it? Do you remember being the chairman of the HM Treasury's uh, Council of Economic Advisors? Do you remember yeah, it was a sort of glorified title, really. Yeah. It was quite early on in your career. I was an advisor to Gordon Brown, yeah. Yeah. 
Do you remember the other one I was going to go for was researcher to co-presenter Andrew Rawnsley on A Week in Politics? Yep, that was my any, first job out of university. Any stories about working with Andrew Rawnsley? Um, God. Do you think like when... So you work with ago. someone like Andrew Rawnsley, right, and you're just, you're just out of university. Right, for the Observer. You know, yep. and I imagine he's treating you pretty badly. And then do you, you know... He didn't, he was very nice I imagine me. he's going, really go and make sorry. my tea boy. That's what I'd have been like. No, and then you come nice. back and go, hey, tomorrow I'm going to be Prime Minister, Andrew Rawnsley. What do you think about that? Well, it w I would have been wrong, wouldn't I? Yeah, uh, you would have had that day. Uh, had that day. That day, you could have gone. Uh, to. Um, no, he and was, when I get in, I'm just really trying to be really boring. He was nice. He was. Okay. They were nice. Sorry. He does look. Were nice. you beastly when you were on the television? Then? Yeah, I think I probably was. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of a monster. Did you sort of throw things? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I had a friend who did work experience. That's why I don't work on the TV anymore. <laughs> no, we were very. We were too nice. I think. Right. I had a friend who did work experience on Watchdog when Vanessa yeah. Feltz was, was doing it, and she had to queue up at the, uh, at the catering right. for Vanessa's lunch, and, and she queued up you know, behind all the crew, crew, and it takes forever, and she eventually gets the front, gets a plate full of food, takes it over to Vanessa, and Vanessa takes one look at it and goes, more meat! <laughs> I wish I'd been like that. <laughs> I, f I found it embarrassing. We found it embarrassing. Like, people would come, you're on TV, and people would come and say, do you want a cup of tea? And you go, I just make my, that's the kettle over, I make my own tea. And, I would, and they go, oh. They go, the thing is, it's our job to bring you tea. If, if you, you know, don't do that, we don't have anything it's to do. It's really, that's quite an important point, though, about not being too grand. Yeah. It's very easy to be, I mean, I think in politics, it's very easy to become very grand. And to... Of course, yeah. Expect everybody to sort of, you know, fawn around you. Yeah. Well, I, think it's a, I think it's part of the... There's some study that some university did saying that the more power you have, the less empathetic you are. And like literally some brain effect. This is why I'm very empathetic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's important... Did you really notice important. that happening to you when you were... Well, I tried, not, I tried not to get into that sort of mindset. Yeah. David Cameron didn't quite have the same sort of, <laughs> you know... I mean, he started without much empathy, so it would have been hard for him it's to... It's more arrogant, yeah, arrogance, I think. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, you know, the stuff I hear about the Bullington Club, I mean, I don't know whether he partook of any of it, but that seems pretty, pretty nasty. As a Did somebody just oink? <laughs> I'm sure I just heard somebody oink. And do you feel sorry for Theresa May, or do you think it's... Just, do you find it quite funny like everyone else does? Uh... What do I feel? I, I, I sort of feel like she got the job and she doesn't... You know, there's lots of things that people can talk about, like her, the letters falling off behind her on the stage and the coughing fit and the man with the P45 and all of that. But actually, on next week. But, but, but actually, um, I think the fundamental problem is she doesn't know what she wants to do with the job. Yeah. It's actually a deeper problem. Often in politics, you think it's a superficial problem and it turns out to be a deeper problem. You know, that there's a, there's, there's, it's a more fundamental thing about, you know, what, what's she actually trying to achieve? And I think that's, be, you know, she did that speech when she became prime minister uh, and she was all like, you know, because the country's too unequal, we're going to do something about it and so on and so forth. And she hasn't really done anything to do, to, to tackle that in the time that she's been prime minister. So, so I think her fundamental problem is she doesn't really know why she's there. But it's the, same, it's the same thing we're talking about where she's obviously been briefed and you see those interviews 
where I think I've seen one with you where you're saying this, you know that there's going to be a sound. Yeah, I did a few of those, news, yeah. And so you're repeating the same sound by over yeah, and over the, again. Yeah, the robotic problem. Yeah, yeah. But she did that same thing with the, after the Grenfell Tower thing, which was just horrific, I just awful. The Emily Maitlis, I think, interviewed her and she'd been there and she'd been helping out and she was very emotional about it. And, and Theresa May rem- didn't get emotional about it. And it, it, you almost feel like if you just... The thing you're discovering, if you show your human side, that people (laughs) are more likely to like you. And I think in that situation, she could have almost, you know, if she... Well, there's a really interesting question to to, to, to be answered about why, whether it's Theresa May or, you know, what people perceive about me before 2015, um, why politics prevents humanity. Why does it often seem sort of inimical, or you know, what, what is the right word, sort of stopping people showing their humanity, their yeah. human side? And it must be caution. People say the same about Hillary Clinton, by the way. Um, and that, you know, since, he, since she lost, she's been much more open and so on. And it is quite, and, you know, it's partly political culture, it's partly media. You know, some people are better at it than others. Mind you, you end up with a Boris Johnson, you know, if you're not careful, which is sort of, you know, who wants that? You know, uh, so, 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 so it's sort of, so, so it's how do you get that? And I think one of the things that is a premium in politics is people say authenticity, but I think authenticity is a bit, is a bit like now a catch-all for sort of, you know, everything. It's more, we were talking about it just backstage, you know, not having the sort of, short delay in your, you know, as you're trying to answer the question and trying to be incredibly caught, you know, it's, it's, it's greater honesty, mm-hmm. apart from on your emergency questions. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think, I think that is part, and I think, and I think people do want that. Yeah. Um, can I talk about your brother for a, a second? I was... Um, Rob? No, David. Steve. David. I was, Steve, um, Steve. I was, I was behind him in a taxi queue the other day at uh, King's Cross. Oh, right. He's got really weird shoes. <laughs> can, you do, can you just get an Ed well, more he was on the wearing, shoes? Was sure it was him. Yeah, definitely him. Uh, and he sure was it wasn't wearing, me. It definitely wasn't you. He was way too good looking. Oh, and, uh, and statesman-like. Uh, and <laughs> Has everybody forgotten about that banana photo? <laughs> so I think he had a suit on, but then he was wearing these like slightly casual... I mean, not quite espadrilles, but, you know, there was... Flip-flops. It just, I thought, you know... Really? What kind of a mess would we have been in if he'd... If that 50-50 vote that we've had had gone the other way? (laughs) Should I pass it on? Yeah, please tell him. He's welcome on as a guest any time. Right, okay. I'm sure that'll be a kind of good book to get him on. Yeah. Richard doesn't like your shoes. Actually, Richard asked David on as a guest, and Ed got in touch and said, no, can you have me on instead, please? I think there's lots of things I feel you know I feel you treated very unfairly I think the bacon sandwich the fact that you're you're standing for the leader of your party and because your brother's doing it you're not supposed to do it these things aren't fair criticisms are they I've, I've, it comes with I slightly think it comes with the territory though I suppose but I mean you also I mean in a way you go into the politics knowing that that's going to be the I don't sort of think to myself obviously disappointed have lost the election but I don't think to myself Oh God, it's so awful. Life is so unfair. If only the bacon sandwich. I just, what, what's the point in operating <laughs> in that way? Well, but everyone else is thinking. You know, there are all these. There's all these moments within the last 10, 10 years. If that had gone the other way, would things have been different? If that, yeah. if you'd run the election, would it have gone? Would it have gone a different way? I mean, it couldn't. Have, it couldn't have been worse, Ed, could it? 
As in, if you were prime minister, you'd no, no, it wouldn't it would have been be, worse. I promise it you, it wouldn't be have worse. been. Well, I wouldn't have had the referendum no. uh, starting point. Um, but look, in a way, you've got to, you know, history works in funny ways, and you've just got to try and make the best of it. Yeah, I honestly, think, believe, I honestly, I'm not just saying that. I honestly believe that. I mean, your your podcast is about trying to look at the, you know. The, the things getting better, but is it? Do you think things are going? I mean, it just feels like there's a lot of pessimism. I think in the in the country, in the world, and but it that, feels that, like something terrible, terrible could happen. That was the idea, though. Like yeah. I looked at Brexit and Trump and all this stuff, and I thought, and and it was before the election was called, and at that point, Labour looked such a long way from being electable. I thought, God, what is? I mean, it's just so depressing if you're progressive. Yeah. There must be ideas out there, and that was our, our starting point. I thought, here's a man who knows about the ideas. Yeah. But it's, you know the one thing I'd say to you? So I was at the Pink News Awards the other week and, you know, there's this phrase, I quoted it on the podcast, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And if you think about the change, you're about the same age as me, a little bit older. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, if you think about the change on LGBT rights since we were growing yeah. up, absolutely extraordinary. And so in a way, you know, people say, oh, everything's worse. We had this guy on who's 87 this, this week who... Um, who uh, was the youth, Labour youth officer under Clement Attlee, so who was the Prime Minister in 1945. And I said, we said to him at the end, have things got better or worse? And he said, unquestionably better. Now, that isn't to minimise the problems there are in the country, but I sort of think, I sort of think history does bend in a kind of positive way. Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely do. And do you, think we could, do you think things can fundamentally... You know, I think like those things you're talking about, the thing you're talking about in the first podcast. I mean, for me, things like the penal system where we're sort of punishing oh, people terrible, yeah. and, and spending lots of yeah. money punishing people, why don't we just Completely. do something different? <laughs> we don't, you don't have to lock people up to, to, to make them pay for whatever they've done or whatever they need to pay but for there is those But I think there is... Look, I think one thing that Trump and Brexit and, and Jeremy, what Jeremy's success, much greater success than people expected in 2017 shows, is there is a space for these big ideas. Yeah. I think it's not just we're trying to make people feel optimistic irrationally. I think there is a space for big ideas to make the country better. I think people want that. I think that's what I underestimated. Never mind the bacon sandwich and the stone and the kitchens and the long list. Uh, uh, the, I think what I underestimated was that people had... I was, remember, I was seen as the sort of moving on from New Labour, the challenge to New Labour, leaving New Labour. And people said, oh, he's gone too far away from New Labour and Tony Blair. I didn't go far enough away from New Labour and Tony Blair. Yeah. I didn't do enough to, to, to speak to people's sense of, uh, of a thirst for big things. So, so you know, I, I sort of think that's what should make one optimistic. Mm -hmm. And I guess the other thing is, you know, if we're taking a step... But it feels like America and the UK particularly seem feel like they're taking a step backwards to, in some ways... But hopefully that will propel people forwards as well, and that you take that step back and then yeah, see how awful it is, and hopefully propel people forwards. But, into but the, the other future. thing I'd say to people about this, and, and it's not meant to sound pious, is is politics is too important to be left to politicians. I mean, why did that change on LGBT rights happen in the last thirty years? Not because simply because Tony Blair made it happen, he he passed laws in his government, but it's also because people said, right, we're not having this anymore. And I think that is really important. I think the sense that movements and people are the things that change things. That's kind of why I think politicians are part of it, but they're not the whole answer. Sure. Well, it's very it's good, wasn't it? It's good, it's good what he said then. Uh, so, um, from a professional good. point of view, that would be a good good point we'll to, 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 to leave it. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we ask an emergency <laughs> question, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? We give a massive round of applause, Jeff Lloyd and Ed Miliband. He should have been prime minister. Thank you.
listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. With me, Richard Herring, and my guests, Jeff Lloyd and Ed Miliband. Come off it. The music is by Pess. The people I would like to thank are the Leicester Square Theatre and all the staff and all those who sail within her. The beautiful audience who came down to see the show. Why not thank them for one script? Uh, I'd like to thank everyone at uh, Go Past Strike and everyone at the British Comedy Guide. Thank you to my producer, Ben Walker. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and Go Faster Stripe production. Buy the Emergency Questions book for Christmas and buy Christmas Emergency Questions books for Christmas as well. There's two now. Hooray!